Are you ready? We got some time. Got some time. Oh, may our hearts be open to hear what God wants to say. I brought a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with me this morning. Um, It was a little bit easier than the bench, the fence, and bleachers, and chalk. It's just a peanut butter sandwich. Let me ask a a real defining moment question for everybody. Who loves peanut butter and jelly? Bless you. (laughs) Right? Uh, No shame. Who doesn't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Raise your hand. No shame. Just kind of keep them up. Be proud. Be proud. It's like, no chance. Okay? No, that's good. Who actually has never tried a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You know what? That's, that's what she just said. She's allergic. So we're going to give you a pass. Both of you. We're going to talk about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich here in a little bit. I made it this morning. I did. Just saying. It took a lot. (laughs) Well, it's true. It's not. That's another story. Origins. This is hopefully the last week of our series. Origins. Uh, Your story begins here. And here's what I would love for you to do. Um, The past three weeks, we've been talking about our calling as followers of Christ And we'll be ending that today. But next Sunday, like we did in our last series, we're going to have a panel discussion around questions that you send in around calling. Anything in this message series that has sparked a question in you um, that you haven't been able to answer or you and your community haven't been able to answer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write that question down. And I'd love for a lot of you to do this. It helps us if you participate. If you don't, then I don't know what we're doing next week. I'm just saying Um, But if you would just send your question to hi, that's not hi, as in, but hi, H-I, some of you like just say H-I, we know what hi is, hi at thehopeco.com, question around calling, even if it was sparked during the joy message or the message today, send us a question that is in your heart and we're going to spend some time answering that. Um, This series of origins is really processing a question that I think all of us process most of our lives. Why am I here? Um, Is what I do in my life and in my day-to-day, does it matter? What is my purpose? What is my calling? Realizing that for those of us who have stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, it changes from our will to his. And we begin to desire to live in the will of God. Why? Because God created us and God best knows how we function in this world. God has put a purpose in our hearts. For some of us, that purpose is very similar because we follow Jesus. But there is something unique because we are individuals in the body of Christ. So we are individuals in the body of Christ. We are not just individuals. Make sense? And so God, as, as, as the body is made up of many parts and, and every part is important, we want to be able to talk about that. And so we're answering this question And Alex talked a couple weeks ago about our calling as humans. We thought it'd be great to start with humans. Our calling as humans. What is our calling as humans? And this is what he said. Humanity's first and highest calling has everything to do with being made in the image of a good God. Humanity's first and highest calling. So it doesn't matter who you are in this room. Red, yellow, black, white, male, female. Does not matter. Older, younger, does not matter. We are 
humans and the first and highest calling for us as humans is to understand that we were made in the image of a very good God. Do you know what that means? That means that we have been named by Jesus. He has given us our identity as sons and daughters. And so we are going to be attacked in our identity because it is our first and highest calling. And so what we have to understand is if we allow anything else in this world to give us our value, to name us, to be what our durable core surrounds around, except for Christ, to that degree, we will battle being an image bearer. But if Jesus is the one who names us, because he is the only one who can, that will impact our ability to fully be image bearers. So what keeps us from being image bearers of a good God in this world is when we let other people define us, other things define us. What allows us to be image bearers is when we let Jesus define us and everything comes from that. Last week, um, I attempted, if you were here, awesome. If you weren't, awesome. (laughs) Now you're curious, aren't you? Um, this was the statement, as followers of Jesus. So we move from humans, what's our calling now as followers of Jesus? Those of us who've stepped into a relationship with Christ, as followers of Jesus, our first and highest calling has everything to do with being ambassadors of reconciliation. Now, ambassadors of reconciliation, not just to the world, but to one another. Not just to our present and our future, but to our past ambassadors of reconciliation, because we have been reconciled. If you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, you have stepped into a relationship that is being restored. He is reconciling us back to himself. He is making all things new. And we get to surrender the old to experience the new, right? And I brought in some props. We're talking about baseball and brought in some bleachers-ish, right? And that was simply the representation that there are observers in the Christian faith that sit and observe and watch what's going on, but don't jump in and activate their lives. We also talked about the fence row where all the crazy fathers stand, right? Not all crazy, some, and they yell their critique, right? And we've got a lot of people in the Christian faith that stand along the sideline and yell their critique, but their talk doesn't match their walk. Then we had the bench, right, where the bench we find so much shame and hurt and the things that have happened to us that have caused us to feel like we're not good enough, that we're not ready, that we'll never be good enough, that we're too broken. And then I got up here and drew this chalk line. It's still kind of here. It's hard to get out. And stepped across, because when you step onto the field, you step out of the bleachers, off the bench, and out of the critics, and you're on the field. And what we determined was, in the Christian faith, and hear me, because this was the point, and I want you to get this, there actually are no bleachers, there are no fence lines, there are no benches. And so some of us had the bleachers pulled out from under us. We had the fence taken from us and the bench taken from us. And we realized that when you're invited into a relationship with Christ, you are invited to play on the field. It doesn't matter who you think you are or what people have said about you. Nobody gets to feel less than another. Nobody. 
You are just as important as everybody else, whether you're stepping across for the first time and joining the family of God or you've been here for a while. You are all the same in God's eyes. Every person our physical eye sees is deeply loved by God. And so you are important. You are part of the body. And every part of the body is important, right? The pinky toe feels insignificant until you stub it. You catch it on the corner of furniture and it rips back, right? Some of you have done that. You know exactly that feeling, right? And all of a sudden, that insignificant little toe just lets you know how significant it was. In the body of Christ, our role when we come to Christ is to be ministers of reconciliation to the world. Matter of fact, we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we talked about the fact that because we have been reconciled, Jesus now gives us the ministry of reconciliation. So you are no longer a father who reconciles, a mother who does reconciliation, an employee who reconciles, a business person. No, you are a reconciler who happens to be a mom. You are a reconciler who happens to be a dad. You are a reconciler who happens to be a husband or a wife. You are a reconciler who happens to be a police officer or a fireman. You are a reconciler that happens to work in the business world or the church world. You are a reconciler that happens to be a doctor or a nurse, a lawyer, or I could keep going. Do you get the point? When we step into this relationship with Jesus, we join this team that becomes reconcilers of the world and one another. That's what we champion above all. First and highest priority is to share Jesus with everyone. And then, I hope that brought some clarity. That's what I meant to say last week. Listen, all the epistles of the New Testament are written with the explicit or implicit assumption that people stay right where they are. I want you to hear that. As we talk about calling wherever you are right now, wherever God has you, God is calling you to be salt and light right there. I forgot one, neighbors. Our neighbors, the people we come in contact with every day, we get to be salt and light. We're not telling you to go try to find something new. We're letting you know that the first and highest calling is to bloom where you're planted. Right where you are, whatever role you have in this world, it's secondary compared to being a reconciler for God. Salt and light in their present vocations. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7.20, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. It's the priesthood of the believer. What would happen if the church woke up every morning and just said, today is a day of reconciliation for anybody I come in contact with as I share the love of Jesus with every person my physical eye sees. And then we're led by the Holy Spirit and not our own strength. What would happen? But there's a role each of us also play in the body of the Christ. And so today, as we close out this series, here's how we would say this. As individuals or as Christian believers, our first and highest calling has everything to do with being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So as humans, it has everything to do with being image bearers of a good God. As Jesus followers, it has everything to do with being ministers of reconciliations. We are God's mouthpiece. He has entrusted it to us, and so we get to talk about Jesus. And as individual followers of Christ, the highest calling has everything to do with being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's why we look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I want you to hear it again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
formed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. So we can make some assumptions. As we think, and I'm going to get super practical. Is super practical okay? Discerning the will of God assumes a renewed mind. It's not, I'm going to discern the will of God and then have a renewed mind. You're probably going to miss the point. I am going to discern the will of God because I have a renewed mind. It is through the renewal of my mind, which Paul is speaking of here. Why? Because in this deconstructing that our culture is doing around faith, and hey, go for it. But make sure when you're deconstructing faith, you surround yourself with wise people who know the word of God and love Jesus. Because we need to deconstruct the ideologies of the world that have infiltrated our heart of hearts and our churches. Absolutely. But what we don't deconstruct is the orthodox ways of Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to change at all. He is who he says he is, and we need to leave that alone. We need to be renewed in our mind, but it has everything to do with not conforming to the patterns of this world. And I am assuming that the will of God here refers not to commandments of Scripture, which is the commanded will of God, which you don't need a renewed mind to read and know commandments like thou shalt not murder. I don't need to discern that. That's just there. It's a commandment. The Bible's full of those. I'm assuming that you don't need a renewed mind to know that's against the will of God to lie. You tracking with me? I'm assuming what Paul is talking about in Romans 12 too is how biblical teachings, the word of God, and all the other relevant factors conspire to produce a direction for my life that God approves and will bless. Why? Because I'm in this. And as I'm in this, and this is transforming my mind, killing the ideologies of the word, led world, led by the Holy Spirit, then I will begin to understand the will of God and how I need to act and live and behave. Because he's changing me through his will. Which leads to a second point. Renewal becomes mainly through the word of God, prayer, and biblical community. Renewal happens. Why do you think the hardest thing to do in the Christian faith is to read God's word, pray, and be with people who love Jesus and talk about him all day long? Because it's the one thing that's going to transform and renew your mind. So it's the one thing the enemy is going to work to keep where you're anchored in the world more important than where you're anchored in heaven. When he, I'm trying, when he says... To be renewed in your mind, I think he means to soak your mind. Anybody steak grillers, chicken grillers, marinators? Let it sit. And the longer it sits, the better it gets. Marinate your mind in God's word. That's what he's saying. Saturate your mind with the word of God. The Christian mind is shaped by the word of God all the while praying, oh God, shape me. Oh God, make me. Oh God, bring me into conformity to this word at the depths of my being and then surrounded by biblical community that says, I see it. I see the work God is doing or I don't see it. Side note. 
Small time out. I need you to understand something about the church that I think in today's age we're losing sight of. The church is not here to affirm you. God's word is not here to affirm you when you are living outside of his word. It's not here to affirm a behavior that is outside of God's word. It's not here to affirm a lifestyle that is outside of God's word. It is not here. The church is not an affirming thing. It is a forming thing. The church is about formation, not affirmation. That's why he wants the mind to be renewed, transformed, Formed. What the Bible is trying to do is through the power and authority of God is transform us, reform us out of our selfishness, out of our flesh, into the character and image of Jesus. That's called formation. We don't get there by just saying it's okay to do that outside of God's word. We affirm that. No, it's a formation thing. That's why the church will always live on some level of tension with culture. Because it is a formation entity, not an affirmation entity. Let me say it to you this way. We don't conform scripture to our lives. Our lives are conformed to scripture. We can't edit what we don't like. And so one of our encouragements every Sunday is that this is an invitation to conversation. We can't cover in 25 minutes... Correct me if I'm wrong, those of you who have spoken before. 25, 30 minutes, what we need to know or what God's trying to say. This is just getting it started. It's an invitation to conversation because we know you're going to go out of here and the growth is going to happen when you start talking about it. What did that mean? How does that impact my life? Where does that apply to my life? I don't like that. You ought to like that. As individuals, Christian believers, our first and highest calling has everything to do with being transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does this work out for Christian believers? Here it is. First, a Christian has to consider both of these questions. What has God called and equipped me for as my work and career? That's one question, okay? Second question, how is God calling me to serve in and through the church? His body, his family. Two questions. Now, in some rare cases, a person's church ministry becomes one's full-time career as well. And it answers both the questions. That's my case. I want to be a pastor with the rest of my life. And I just get to be a pastor. I get paid to be a pastor. And some of you have asked, do you do anything outside of Sunday? Are you just here on Sunday and you speak? <laughs> I do some other things. We have a staff here that does a lot. Thank you, Mike. In most cases, though, Christians must answer each question separately. Okay? We're going to get real practical, and I need you to hear this. Sometimes what you do in your secular calling is very similar to what you do inside the church. You may be a teacher or a strategic planner or an artist or a counselor outside the church and use those same abilities inside the church. You may do that. That's what we had with Hope Legal up here last week when we're calling lawyers to take their radically redirected hearts because Jesus is no longer a value-add proposition to the American dream. And, and that radical redirected hearts wants my time, talent, my treasure not to go to me because that's greed, but generosity says what comes to me isn't always for me, and so I want to launch it out for the kingdom of God. Then what I do in my secular life 
is applicable a lot of times in the church life as we begin to bring hope to a lost world, hope to each other. In some cases, you may find God calling you to do an almost completely different sort of work in the church than you do in the outside world. And some of you are like, yes, please. I do that all week long. I want something else to represent who I am. Maybe the banker in the room wants to become a small group leader in children's ministry. That's a shameless plug for small group leaders in children's ministry. Either way, let me propose a three-part method for discerning a call, whether to secular work or church work or anything else, to discern a ministry call. As we talk about the individual, you need to look at three factors. Matter of fact, John Newton made these famous. It's affinity, ability, and opportunity. This is the order in which you begin to ask yourself really hard questions about what God wants you to do with your time, talent, and treasure. It starts with affinity. It's the looking out, if you would, not looking in first, but looking out. Affinity is the normal existential priestly way to discern call. It asks the question, what people needs do I resonate with? What people needs do I resonate with? Don't start with yourself. I'll tell you why in a second. Aptitude tests, personality tests, strength finders tests, all of those are based on past experience and self-knowledge, and your self-knowledge is limited. I'm not saying they're bad. Wait for it. But your self-knowledge is limited. Even though it is one of the ways God shows you, do your, shows you your ministry, you don't start there. And I want you to hear this and understand this. Rather look at concrete needs in the community, the context in which we live in. We have so many needs around us. What needs do you resonate with? What problems or kind of people or ministry needs move you? Where do you discover an affinity? And an affinity is a natural liking or sympathy for someone or something. It's just there. I don't know why, but I'm just moved by that. God might be moving in you. Paul experienced inner grief and turmoil as he saw the idols of Athens in Acts 17, and so that led him to be in a ministry of apologetics. One of the reasons not to start with a knowledge of your abilities is because gifts often pop out and surprises as we participate in a great variety of ministries. Some of you just got overwhelmed. A great variety of ministries? Yes. I'll explain that with a peanut butter sandwich in just a second. Secondly, ability. Look in. Ability is the normal rationale, prophetic way to discern call. We ask the question, what are my abilities and deficiencies? Anybody got any deficiencies? It's important to look at your abilities and your deficiencies. Many people become burdened to see a ministry begin to launch something, and we got a bunch of stuff kicking off. I'm going to share one here in a minute. But we're not realistic about our own abilities and limitations. For example, we see ourselves wanting to be leaders, even though that we don't have the gift of organizing and galvanizing people to go out and follow us. I don't know if you know anything about me. I'm a little bit of a futurist. I'm a visionary. I dream. I dream things right now would blow you away. I actually live there. I live in my dreams of what I believe God wants to do through this church. It's bigger than a farm. It's a lot of things, and it's just awesome, and I live there, and I'm like, I love the future. Come to the future. You guys need to get on board where we're going. This is exciting. Come with me. Get here quicker, please, because you're killing me. It's painful to live right here for a futurist. You know what I'm talking about, coach, right? 
It's painful because I see it. The problem is, is I'm out there by myself right now. And I got to come back to reality, realizing that we got to take people with us. And there are people gifted in this room to help people go with us. You see what I'm saying? Ability and deficiency. You must be very aware of the part that you're able to play in ministry. What should you be doing? And what do you need someone else to be doing with you? And the last one, opportunity. So there's look out, look in, and this one's look up. Opportunity is the normal organizational kingly way to discern call. What do the leaders, my friends, believe is the most strategic kingdom need? Now I'm inviting people in. Did you know transparency is to be open, vulnerability is to let people speak in? That's the difference. This is the vulnerability part. Listen, your life is not a series of random events, church. Your family background, education, life experiences, hurts, pain, even the most painful ones, all equip you to do some work that no one else can do. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. More often than not, your pain will propel your purpose. I am. And I am actually almost done. And everybody say amen. Where does the community tell me I'm needed is the question I'm asking with opportunity. Where does my community tell me I'm needed? Hear this. We must refuse to be individualistic in the way we discern our ministry. You're not making decisions about God's call on an island. You can't. You have too many blind spots. I have too many blind spots. There are things that we're afraid of that we run from that people will see in our life and call us out to. You got to hear this. The doctrine of sin alone should be enough to prove that you should not be trying to make this decision by yourself. And additionally, the Bible teaches that when we become Christians, we become members of one another. We get to speak truth into each other's life. We get to encourage, but we also get to rebuke. Man, I love getting rebuked. Some days. But I actually become the best person in the midst of rebuke. We cannot understand ourselves without paying attention to what our brothers and sisters can see. And there may be opportunities for us to serve that we've never considered, but for which we're actually perfect. And you may not be the one that sees that, but someone else does. I was sitting in my office with a couple guys, and I I had a plan for their life. (laughs) I did. I'm like, I need two guys to lead this ministry, and I think you guys are the two guys. But on my whiteboard in my office, I had a list of other things, the dreamer, right, that we want to do and accomplish because we want to bring hope to the world. We don't want to be just selfish church people, hope to the world. And so I got this list, and one of them said, well, that thing right there, actually, I would actually love to do that. That resonates with me. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then the other guy sitting there said, well, this one right down here actually resonates with me, and I'd love to lead that. Awesome. And they left, and I still have nobody to lead the one thing that I really wanted them to lead. (laughs) That's fine. Because we got to work in community to figure out what God might be doing. Do you see how this works? This has to be said, and we got to hear this. I'm not asking you to try things out. I'm actually asking you to dive in. When it comes to the church, dive in. And and don't just dive into one thing. Dive into a bunch of things. Whoop. Immerse yourself in several things as you're determining what God might be saying or not be saying. Listen, here's the kind of church that we are. This is awesome. We actually don't mind you jumping into something fully and figuring out you don't like it and jumping out. We would encourage you to get out if you don't like it. 
But at least you tried. And when you jump into a bunch of things, you may find the one thing God's been resonating in your heart that might be something that transforms not just you, but the world around you. Peanut butter and jelly. Help me, Jesus. Are you guys okay if we're here just a little bit longer? You all want a sandwich? If I, if I brought you up and said, hey, I want you to try this peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you said, okay. You're laughing because it's silliness, right? That's dumb. You're like, tastes like crust. Well, that's because it is. Because you only dipped your toe in. You didn't jump in. I'm going to see how this feels. No, that's not how it works. That's not trying something. That's determining how fast you can say no to it. Dive in. Strawberry. Anybody a strawberry fan? Crunchy. No? Smooth? Crunchy. <laughs> this is good. I'm just telling you right now. I'm a, whew. It's actually, I just broke my intermittent fasting, though. See, I figured that out when I tried it. I wouldn't have known if it was strawberry if I didn't try it. I wouldn't have known it was crunchy. Well, I made it, but I, you know what I'm saying. It was crunchy. I wouldn't know if I liked it or didn't like it. See, the only reason you know that you like peanut butter and jelly is because you've had it. You didn't just dip your toe. You dove in. You had the whole thing, right? You know that you don't like it because you've tried it. If you think you don't like it because you've never tried it, then that's dumb. I'm just saying like some of you are like, no, I can look and say it's gross and I just don't like it. I know I'm not going to like it. I'm just saying, try it first. How many of you have tried things you didn't think you'd like that you liked? Right? Chips and ranch dressing. <laughs> that kind of thing. Here, here's the point, gang. When we talk about how God wants to use you in his church, jump into a bunch of things. But jump in fully. And you will realize one of two things. This is what God is building in you. Or it's something that he doesn't have for you. But there's something else that he's got for you. So we jump in. But see, we're too busy sitting in bleachers and benches and standing by fences that we forgot we're part of the team and on the field. Which means that not only are we to be lights and image bearers where we are planted right now, but God also has a role for you in his church. And I want to share a story through video of some people who have found that very passion because they jumped in fully. Check out this video. When I first heard the idea of Hope Farm, I was like, oh, that's cool. We can stick a garden behind the church. Like, it'll be really cool. I have a backyard garden, and I love to be in nature. 
But the more that I learned about the vision of Hope Farm and the plans for it, I just really felt like God was saying, you need to, you need to get on board and do this thing. Just the idea of being in the community and a part of the community and teaching people who may know nothing about plants how to grow something and care for the land that they already have is just super exciting to me. So I think for a, like a long time in my life, I've kind of had like a dream, so to speak, of being involved with a church that would have like a, be growing food for food pantries, having like several acres set aside, and this has been me for years. And then also trying to figure out like, what does it look like for us to steward not just the gifts that we have, but actual the earth that God has given us, not just from a agricultural standpoint, but from an ecological standpoint. So I've been studying, um, I've, I've been in horticulture and botany and all that stuff for years. And the more I study plants, the more I see God, just his creativity and just this, just how he made the natural world around us. One of the reasons why I really wanted to jump in is the last year and a half being in the garden has been a primary way that God has taught me about himself. A primary way that he has showed me his heart for communion with his people. I don't think it's a mistake that Eden was a garden. And um, in the last year and a half, I have just felt like that is huge and Hope Farm opens the door to bring people into that. Hope Farm offers hope because we experience the Creator through cultivating His creation. And I love that. And that is why I have to be a part of it. Because I've always had this question about, okay, God gave me talent to grow plants. What do I do with that? And I think for me, I've been struggling for a long time trying to find my calling within the church and i and when i heard about this i that's what i got in the result was like the the talents and abilities that god gave me can be used and it's not and i felt like i i finally had a sense of purpose within the church in order to help the community with that. Instead of getting all the fruits and vegetables and uh, from, from different locations, actually being able to provide those for the people who come on Saturday mornings through a, uh, through a hydroponics and, and growing collective that's out here that's about to get built this weekend. And so uh, I was very excited about that because I've been kind of looking at hydroponics for the past 10 years as something to do when I had some free time and you know I finally was able to get a little bit of free time uh, about a year ago or uh, this past fall when I was talking to some folks uh, heavily involved in, in organizing the this event and so it got me excited enough to build my own in the basement and it's been going really well and you know learned a lot but uh, in in talking with uh, the various folks you know this was exactly what I like to do. I'm good at construction. I'm good now at hydroponics. I, you know, I like the community uh, feel of this, of this whole organization. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I guess, who wasn't really a member, but have become a participant in, in the way that it uh, invites people to participate and, and take advantage of not only the, 
you know, what I've always felt about churches is just good community, li literally good community, but also the opportunity to help and give back and so forth. I feel that when they do walk through Hope Farm, they're going to like, kind of just like, all of like life's worries and stresses are just gonna melt and mellow out. When people discover like the natural world around them, what it actually is supposed to look like, there's like, I see their eyes lighten and it's just like, there's, there's something that's missing. Well, I think Hope Farm is awesome because there's something for everybody whether you just want to sit and mindlessly pull weeds or you want to learn how to grow tomatoes or you know how to use tools and want to build something. I, I think Hope Farm has a place for everybody to use their gifts and their talents to be a part of it all. And, and whether it's something huge and you are involved long term or you just put a strawberry plant in the ground, it's for you. Ms. Cheryl, I'm going to invite you to come up here, just like the rest of us sitting in the room going, what does God want me to do in his church with what the talents he's given me? It was a couple years ago, you asked the same thing, and something was born out of that. Uh, and again, Hope Farm is a big piece of that. So what is the Hope Farm? Hope Farm is a collaborative partnership between Hope Co., and an organization that I founded and am the director of, which is called Growing Healthy People. Our mission is to grow healthy food, provide educational opportunities, and also uh, show pathways to careers in agriculture. So when um, Dave is like, well, we have this land here, you know, and so come on, Cheryl, you can, you know, you know what you're yeah. doing. Um, and Donna said, Cheryl, all I want really is I want to be able to provide for the food pantry um, food all year round. You know, that is um, beautiful, healthy food. And so I've been doing that indoors in greenhouses. Um, By the way, we have a desire not to be a branded house, but a house of brands. <laughs> so to partner with people who are already doing what we want to do. Yeah. That was the opportunity. That right, it was, and it was great. But I also, when, when we were talking about what's your fight, uh, what do you want to uh, go for? Well, I, for about 20 years, I've been growing food and leading teams and all that for growing food for food pantries. So I always knew that was, you know, a big part of my um, life experience. But then I said, okay, I'm going to leave my hands open because, you know, maybe that was then, this is now. And I got the, no, it's still food, Cheryl. And I said, <laughs> okay, you know, but I just wanted that affirmation that I wasn't running ahead of God, that God was asking me to be a part of it. And so um, that's kind of how that, how that has all grown. Evolved. Yep. But the, the, I always knew that God was in it. I sent out a volunteer opportunity, you know, to get... You know, who would be interested in being a part of Hope Farm? And I gave different classifications. And that first email, I got 35 responses. Wow. And people wanted to be a part of, you know, everybody wants to learn how to grow food and learn how to be in the greenhouse. And 
um, doing things like that. But there were people who wanted to do fundraising, construction. So when Sam up here says that there's a place for everybody at the farm, there really is. Um, and well, we've seen that. Let me ask you this. I want to have him put the picture up of what the property, once it's developed, okay. is going to look like out there. Um, what you'll see up here is if you're looking straight out through the windows there, up at the top is an outdoor basketball court for area kids. Um, but then there's raised garden beds, number one. The current hoop house, that if you go out and look out the window, you'll see it. It's massive. is already put up. That's number two. We have a greenhouse that we're wanting to do, which is where the hydroponics will be. Um, that's going to be a building that holds all the supplies and then other garden beds and the rest of that and then prairie um, natural prairie type stuff. Right. We also are talking about um, replacing all of the landscaping with edible, uh, but you can't take that home, but right. just edible to be able to landscape. use it. But So what's the vision behind this? What's the, what's the hope? The hope is you bring, like with our organization, we say that we impact lives by growing food. And, you know, it's all around growing food. Yep. And though you have those conversations, you teach people how to like Jesus, uh, how to fish, you know, rather than just giving them the fish. Um, but I can tell you one story already. We had the plant sale. Well, I don't know if it was last week, and it's, everything's been a blur to me. <laughs> but um, when we had the plant sale, we had people come to volunteer just from the community who wanted to be involved. And this woman was like, well, you know, I, I had to come check it out, Cheryl, because... I didn't know how churchy it was going to be, <laughs> you know, if I wanted to volunteer here. And I said, okay, that's fine. And so, of course, right after she said that, then Steve Plew led a little, you know, prayer about, you know, growing the food and the seedlings and all this, so that's going to be grown. And <laughs> she was like, well, I wasn't so sure about that, growing for the, you know, the, praying. praying for the tomatoes. But, you know... She came back, and she feels like yeah. she wanted to find a place where she would feel um, comfortable. And a part. And a part of. And she's amazing. And then she brought another person who helped build um, the greenhouse structure yesterday. I did want to do a little shout-out to the Northern Illinois Food Bank because, and this was another reason I knew God was in it, Donna sent me an email saying, oh, look, I got this thing. Read it through it. It's a grant for something that the, you know, food pantry might need. So I read through it, and I'm like, well, there's nowhere on there does it say greenhouse, you know, refrigerated truck. You know, <laughs> no, we don't need that. Um, you know, just refrigerators. No. So I said, and there wasn't even a place to mark other so, which I would have written in. So I called them, and this all had to be done in a week. So I called them and I said, what if we wanted for infrastructure, we wanted a greenhouse? And, well, we've never had that. We'd never even thought of that before. And so I said, well, I'd like to do that if that would be okay. Could you make a little place where I could mark other and then do that? And she said, I'll get back to you. And they loved the idea so much that within one week, we had $17,000 to, to buy the building. Yeah. Let me say something here. Not to mention, everything that's happened out there for the most part so far has been donated. Yes. So all the clearing of everything, all the landscaping that's been done to get everything in. Well, and all uh, the materials and 
crews to drive the stakes into the ground, surveying, you just can't imagine. Because what we thought at first was one little greenhouse, you know, up there to grow some food, turned into a whole, you know, a campus to grow food. And yep. <laughs> And We're all dreamers. That's okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm a little mini dreamer compared to him, but I thought, <laughs> but I thought, you know, yeah, I have a good vision, but this was, and I, I really want everyone here to understand that, um, yes, I've done this kind of thing before. I know how to, you know, do these things, but this is um, one of God's uh, magnus opuses, which means great work. And it is beyond what I thought would or ever envisioned. And just the people that have come around, um, like we said, the companies that have donated um, their time and talents and treasures. And it just, it's, it, this is a big deal. <laughs> is it is. And say. we've said that hope impacts three people. Those who have it need to act like it. Those who need it never apologize for it. And those who don't will come alongside of us and work with us and experience hope, which is Jesus. And that's happening. Um, if you could say, here's, here's a couple needs that, we're, that we were asking for. Okay. and then We have uh, the great site already prepared mostly. Um, we need now to bring over utilities, electric and, and gas, because this is going to be a year-round um, building for growing food. And the, the hydroponics and aquaponics need, the systems do need um, electrical and, and water, of course, essential. So we will have to drill a well, and we might, we might have a stopgap uh, little way of doing things to begin with. But, yes, we will need a well. So though, and volunteers. And, and volunteers. So my, my first thing is, you know, prayer, absolutely pray for this project because, you know, it. You need all the leaders, all the people involved need to feel that God's behind this and that we don't get out ahead of ourselves. Um, and then also the volunteers, uh, oftentimes with church gardens, they everyone loves to start it, and then come July, they all go on vacation. And uh, But we have a great team of volunteers, and, it's, and also the site is going to be used in so many different ways. We want to do Friday mornings on the farms where families with young children can come out to the farm and experience, you know, so there will be programming, all kinds of programming. Uh, so anyway. There's a lot. We got a lot more we could say, but we're going to, yes. here's what we're asking um, this morning. One, that you just celebrate the fact that God is using people and their gifting and their ability yeah. to bring hope to the world. That's what we're here for. That he actually has that for you. And, and as a church, we exist to help you live in that God purpose. We're not actually asking you to come fulfill ours. We're here to help you fulfill yours, that we all have that as part of the body of Christ. Imagine what God is wanting to do with all of that. The second would be, um, we're going to ask from this church, and we don't do this often for $100,000, um, that I told these guys, I actually think that that money can come in in one week. I actually think God has already put it on the hearts of people to be part of this. This is above and beyond what we give normally. <laughs> Um, this is a special ask because, one, we want to do all that stuff to get it going, but also build that second greenhouse yes. that will provide. Mm -hmm. you, you cannot, I, I wish we could share the statistic, but we can't. 
It is unbelievable the amount of vegetables and fresh produce that will be produced out of this and how people will be trained. And um, it's going to be really cool. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite the ushers to come down, if you will. And if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'd love to be part of this financially. God has blessed us and everything that comes to us isn't always for us. Um, Maybe you don't have it with you right now. You can text uh, THCO to 97,000 and uh, choose Hope Farm and it'll go directly to the Hope Farm uh, for us to be able to do that. Or you can go on the website to give, choose Hope Farm, and give it that way. Um, But let's pray, because God's doing some really cool things, from Hope Legal to Hope Farm to Hope Counseling to a whole bunch of other things that's springing up as we become hope to this community. Um, Just to plant in in your mind a Hope Thrift Shop and Coffee Shop, just throwing that out there as we pray. Anyway, God, thanks for this, this opportunity, this moment, this time together to glorify you. We are celebrating your goodness and greatness in our hearts and lives as people and as a church. We are your family. We don't exist individually. We exist together. I pray no one ever feels alone. And God, as you put these things on our hearts, I pray we could come around each one and see you fulfill those God dreams. Um, we'll give you praise as your church gives to accomplish your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Miss Cheryl a big hand and thank you for just as we, we close out, I, I do want to encourage us today to understand that um, we don't want to be a church that just meets its own needs. It's not who we are. We don't want to be a church that just thinks of itself. We want to be a church that if our doors close tomorrow, the community would miss us which means we need to go fight the giants of injustice in our community. There are people who are hurting from disease, illiteracy, spiritual emptiness, poverty, and oppression. And God is calling us to fight those on every front for the people that those injustices are hurting. That's who we are as a church. We are a justice-seeking church. We're not a social justice-seeking church. We are a gospel justice-seeking church. There is a massive difference. And I believe he's got things in your heart that he wants to use you to bring hope to this world, hope to each other, reconciliation at all costs. That's what God is doing. Stand with me as we conclude our time today. May you know that as a human being, You were made in the image of God. And may your identity be found in him alone so that you can be his image bearer in every place you go. May you know as a follower of Jesus that you have been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus and given the ministry of reconciliation every day of your life. That's what defines your mission. May you find that thing or things that God has equipped you to do for his church to build his kingdom in this world because that's what he's doing. We love you. We're grateful for you. Thanks for letting us go a little bit over. We never do that. Love you. (laughs)